Pritchard. And I'm Conrad Thompson. And this is something else to wrestle with. Hello, folks. Ha, it's the old hot rod here. And this week, you got Bruce and Conrad talking all about me. Pretty excited, man. It's all about Rowdy Roddy Piper this week on something else to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. I, of course, am Conrad Thompson. And, man, we are going to have some fun today. Bruce, let's start at the beginning. When did you first meet Rowdy Roddy Piper? Well, man, I didn't actually get to meet Roddy Piper until, like, 1989, I guess, or 1988, 1989. But the very first time that I ever got to see Roddy Piper in action was in Houston, Texas, round about 1974-1975 when this guy named Rod Piper came into the territory and he was working the opening matches like the first and second match of the card. He wore a dress to the ring, at least that's how I looked at it, and he carried bagpipes to the ring and would play his bagpipes on the way to the ring, had bleach blonde, long hair, horrible body, just absolutely the most unathletic looking guy you could ever possibly imagine. And Piper came in, but the fact that he was different, probably he was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, I don't know how old he was then, but Roddy was different enough that you still had to take notice of him. And I think there's a, a pretty famous moment when uh, he did the national anthem there in Houston. Were you there for that? Believe it or not, I actually was. We had to. We normally had our matches uh, Friday night at the Sam Houston Coliseum in downtown Houston, Texas. It was a staple. Every Friday night at the Coliseum. Every once in a while, the Coliseum would get booked, and we would have to move over to the downtown Fondy Recreation Center which was a really small recreation center about the size of your normal high school gymnasium with bleachers on all sides of it. And it was a place where kids went to work. It was, I mean, went to uh, work out and went to play basketball. And it was just a neighborhood recreation center. So when we couldn't get the Coliseum, Paul would book, Paul Bosch, the promoter, would book the events at the Fondy Recreation Center. They had a horrible PA system. It was like one or two speakers, and Paul Bosch, the promoter, was a World War II veteran and very proud of his country and, and very, very patriotic. And every single event started for Houston Wrestling with the playing of the National Anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner by God. And this one night, 
at the Fondy Rec Center. The ring announcer gets in and asks everyone to stand for the playing of the National Anthem, and they go to play it, and you couldn't make out anything. Either the record was bad, the PA system was bad, but it was horrible. And Paul Bosch storms into the ring, livid, just pissed off that the National Anthem didn't play before the event. And he gets in and apologizes, and in the middle of his apology, he looks over, and he sees Roddy Piper standing there with bagpipes. And he puts the microphone down by the side of his leg and walks over and says, Hey, kid, can you play the uh, Star-Spangled Banner on that thing? And Piper, without hesitation, was, Yes, sir, I can. And they held the microphone down, and Roddy Piper blew the Star-Spangled Banner out of the bagpipes, got a standing ovation, obviously. Back in those days, people stood for the National Anthem. And... Piper was made. I mean, Roddy Piper was made in the in the hearts of everyone in attendance there, but even more so in Paul Bosch's mind, Roddy Piper was a hero. And I will never forget that day. And many years later, that was a story that Piper and I always shared and would always tell everybody just kind of about Roddy Piper and his Texas wrestling debut. It's pretty fun, though, because he didn't always use this bagpipe thing for, I don't know, a baby face reaction. There was a time when he was running shows out in California and he wanted to uh, get some heat. So in front of a largely Hispanic audience, he would insult them, get them riled up and then try to make amends by promising to play the national anthem for Mexico. And instead (laughs) he did something else, right? Bruce. La cucaracha, la cucaracha, yeah, ta, 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 ta. But you have to imagine that being played on the bagpipes, you know, <laughs> and that annoying tinge there. So Roddy was definitely going after some old school heat, which definitely couldn't get away with in 2018. But but Roddy, man, he rode the end of that lightning bolt and went as far as he possibly could to get heat. So. Yes, that was one way that Roddy utilized those bagpipes in the Southern California area to a great level of heat. And he was really masterful at this because he had to sort of lean on other things to help get that heat because he wasn't always the biggest guy. So he tried to make up for that with antics like the bagpipes and the microphone work. And he got in the business at a much different time. Uh, Of course, Roddy moved 23 times before the age of 13 and then wound up as a teenager, sort of being on his own. He would hang around bars and do what he could to survive, even if that meant stealing every now and again. But when he finally gets into the wrestling business, he has, uh, I don't know, not exactly the welcome mat put down for him by Larry the Axe. Right, Bruce? Well, yeah, Roddy was a skinny kid from Saskatoon. Okay. in Canada and Roddy had a chip on his shoulder. As you said, he wasn't always the biggest guy in the world. He trained as a boxer early on, just not so much to compete in boxing, but to defend himself. He was always finding himself in fights and always finding himself on the wrong side of the law and on the wrong side of trouble. Trouble always seemed to find hot rod or hot rod always seemed to find trouble one way or the other, but he finally makes his debut in the professional wrestling world. And his very first match ever in wrestling was against a gentleman by the name of Larry the Axe Hennig. And Larry Hennig was probably about 310, 320 pounds at the time. 
Larry Hennig is the father of Mr. Perfect, a grandson of uh, Joe Hennig, and, 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 or grandfather, I'm sorry, not the grandson. But Larry was a double, double tough son of a gun, and Larry introduced Roddy to professional wrestling in the stiffest of ways by beating the hell out of him. In about 30 seconds, Roddy getting absolutely no offense whatsoever. And that was his introduction. Welcome to the wrestling business, kid. Get the hell beat out of you by Larry Hennig. He doesn't have the uh, easiest road here. You know, being a smaller guy and a youngster, he finds himself on the end of a lot of hazing. So to avoid that, he would actually stay in his car until right before it was time for the matches. And then he would go in and he would even look for other places in the arena to shower other than the locker room, just to avoid any sort of potential hazing there. And allegedly would carry his bag to the ring during his matches just to make sure nobody could mess with him. He really did have sort of a don't trust anybody start to professional wrestling, didn't he, Bruce? Yeah, I think that Roddy, just coming up in life, had a the attitude of not to trust anybody. Roddy had a tough upbringing, and as a young man, I think that he really didn't trust people in authority very much. So he was always looking for ways to make his own way, and he was always thinking that no matter what someone told him, that he was being swerved or conned and just had that I, I don't trust anyone attitude. So if there was scuttlebutt, he listened to a lot of the rumor and innuendo, and he looked around and said, well, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not going to get caught here. So he was a loner, kept to himself, and just fought to make his way in the business. And his opponent from Glasgow, Scotland, weighing 241 pounds, making his first appearance in this ring, Roddy Piper. He gets his first shot in the New York Territory in 79, and someone actually sabotages his debut, or at least that's the way he looked at it. Allegedly, Freddie Blassie is the person who stuffed tissue paper down inside the bagpipe, so when Piper went to make his way to the ring... He was embarrassed that uh, the performance was not what it should have been. And then for the match itself, Johnny Rod sort of ate him up. And the plans were changed rather quickly for Roddy in New York. Did you ever talk to Roddy about his first time in the McMahon territory and, and this sort of situation with Blassie and the bagpipes? Yeah, I've heard the I've heard the story from both Fred Blassie and Roddy Piper. The at the time Roddy was coming off of a great run in California where Roddy had headlined the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, working for the promoter Mike LaBelle back in the day. And Roddy had the gift of gab, and he was able to go, and he was he drew money, okay? Roddy, I don't think, has ever... No one's going to accuse Roddy of being the greatest worker in the world. But Roddy Piper drew money everywhere he went. Roddy Piper could talk asses into seats. He could fill up arenas. And no matter who you are as a promoter, you want somebody that's going to come and put asses in seats for you. So Piper had had a great run in California. At the time, Vince McMahon Sr. would often take top stars from different areas and bring them in for limited runs in the garden and maybe make a loop in the Northeast Territory. From... What I've heard, this was kind of a a one-off, a favor for Mike LaBelle to bring Roddy Piper in and have him on a Madison Square Garden show, which was extremely prestigious back in the day to perform in the world's most famous arena. 
and still is to this day to, to be able to perform in Madison Square Garden. But Piper coming in, it was kind of a, you know, Roddy Piper, Los Angeles, California. The the cable from L.A., the television show from Los Angeles, actually got into the New York market in Espanol. So the Spanish-speaking folks in the New York area knew who the hell Roddy Piper was. So he did have some name recognition and everything. But when he came in, Fred Blassie is a joke, is a rib. Uh, stuffed the the toilet paper in the holes of Piper's bagpipe so that when he went out to blow, uh, nothing was going to come out. And Roddy's trying out there, and he was just dying a slow death. But working with Johnny Rods, man, that was that was the the proving ground, I guess, if you will. And Johnny Rods was a tough guy. He was a perennial New York star that you know everybody came in and they. For someone to call Johnny Rods a jobber would be a big mistake because Johnny was the kind of guy to get people over and he could make you or he could break you. He was that good. But he was in the role. You know, he was an underneath talent used to get guys over. But if Johnny wanted to eat you up, he would. And in this case, I don't know that Johnny particularly cared for Roddy all that much at this stage of his career and probably ate him up. And I think Piper just felt that they didn't want him there, and he got the feeling right away he really didn't want to be there either, based on the reception he got. Piper really hits his stride working for Don Owen in Portland, and I think maybe the most viral piece of video from that run is the beer bottle promo. What can you tell us about this? <laughs> well, Roddy you know, found his way to Portland, Oregon, where Don Owens was a promoter, and for whatever reason... Man, Roddy Piper just got over big time in Portland, Oregon. Again, he got over everywhere that he went. But Piper would go to extremes, including taking a beer bottle, breaking it over his head, doing whatever it took to get people to be talking about it the next day, telling your friend, hey, did you see what they had on TV the other day? This guy takes a beer bottle, breaks it over his head. It's Piper took things to the extreme to do whatever he had to do to get people talking. And he was a mainstay in Portland. He found a home in Portland eventually, and that's where he he ended up living the rest of his life. Who would pick Portland? But um, it just was a special place in his heart. And Don Owens was a promoter that Roddy felt a special kinship with. Don Owens always looked after Hot Rod and always made sure that he was very well taken care of. And in return, Piper paid that back with loyalty until the very end. Piper got mainstream exposure working in the Georgia Territory, where, of course, they had WTBS. And I believe when he would team with Gordon Sola here in the very early 80s, he's probably the first heel commentator on a national level. Is that fair to say? It is. And Roddy was the first... Uh, in my opinion, the first and the best to do color commentary, especially back in those years. And the way that they brought Roddy in was they brought him in initially kind of half-assed as a quasi-baby face. He was neither fish nor fowl. He just did straight color commentary as Rod Piper. He didn't wear the kilt. He just you know wore the sport coat. And he did color commentary, and I thought he was excellent at it. When the time was right, 
he started needling the top baby face, Bullet Bob Armstrong, and just, ha, yeah, wow, the skinny little bird legs there. <laughs> oh, couldn't beat me. And it was just little nuanced things that Piper would do that got people, well, hell, this guy's got a big mouth. He wasn't brought in as a wrestler. He was brought in as a commentator first. He's got a big mouth. What if, you know, Bob Armstrong just kicked his ass? Then Piper turned heel, worked a program with uh, Bob Armstrong, became one of the hottest heels in the business because he got all of his heat for two hours on the Superstation doing color commentary every week. So people wanted to see him get his ass kicked. And then when the time was right, they made the switch, turned Roddy babyface because they had Don Morocco accidentally knock Gordon Soley. <laughs> Piper came to Soli's defense because, heel or not, Gordon Soli was his friend, and everybody loved Gordon Soli. So it was a, a great, you know, national exposure, the first real national exposure that Hot Rod had. He, of course, had tremendous success in the Carolinas, working in the Mid-Atlantic Territory for Jim Crockett Promotions. He befriends Flair there, has a big part in Starcade with a tremendous match with Greg the Hammer Valentine. Maybe the most famous chain match ever. Is that fair to say, Bruce? Yeah, they had a the dog collar chain match, and they had sheepskin around the the dog collar. And they had to work this match several several nights in a row and the sheepskin when it would get wet and it just ate up their necks completely. <laughs> and uh, Years later, Roddy would tell the stories about how who in the hell would put sheepskin inside of these things and it would itch and just the blood and everything would get mixed with it. And it was a terrible experience, but probably one of the most famous chain matches of all time. And on all the wrestling magazines back in the day, you saw the pictures of Valentine and, and Piper with a dog collar chain and a dog collar around their neck. And that was an instant classic. And it was even the way that they worked Roddy's ear and Roddy got color in his ear. It was just unique. He was always thinking of different ways to do things. That innovation and his ability to work a mic uh, finally get him an opportunity again with New York. This time, it's not with Vince Sr., it's with Vince Jr., and he's brought in with both Paul Orndorff and uh, Bob Orton Jr. And th the funny thing here is there were sort of questions about his size. People were really skeptical as to whether or not he could be a main event wrestler. So instead, he was positioned as more of a manager who sometimes wrestled. And uh, that's the way he got his big break here. Is that fair to say that maybe Vince in that era, and I know this is sort of pre-Bruce, wasn't really sold on him based on size, and it took him sort of proving himself to really get that spot? It did, and I think Vince also was trying to do something similar to what was done in Georgia, the way that they brought Roddy into Georgia as a color commentator as Rod Piper and then slowly integrate him into the storylines in the ring. So Vince, knowing that Piper could definitely talk his ass off, at the time, Bob Orton Jr. was not a great promo, and Bobby needed someone to talk to him. In the ring, when the bell rang, Bob Orton Jr. won the greatest of all times. Same thing with Paul Orndorff. Paul could talk, but at the same time, Vince was thinking, 
you know, if we give this uh, this Roddy Piper with the kilt and a unique look, a unique delivery, let him go out and cut the promos. Let Roddy go out and tell the stories for Orndorff and Orton. In time, when the time is right, you need him to get into the ring. He can. But I don't know that there was as big of a plan initially from from day one to have Roddy be the top heel that he eventually became. All right, Bruce, let's run a timeout right now and tell everybody how they can save some money. Look in the mirror. You look good, but are you doing everything for your health today? Maybe you're not planning for the what ifs of tomorrow. And if not, well, it's time you do. The problem is historically and rather ironically, the health conscious have overpaid and subsidized those who are less health conscious. And no, that's not a conspiracy. That's just how life insurance works until now. Introducing health IQ. You see health IQ uses both science and data to secure lower rates for people just like you on their life insurance. Whether you're a runner, maybe you're a cyclist, maybe you're in a CrossFit, some other type of athlete. In fact, maybe you're like a vegetarian or a vegan dude. You deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. How about this? Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And oh, by the way, health IQ, not just a lead generator. In fact, they take the customer through the entire process from applying to being underwritten by one of our top insurance partners. And oh, by the way, the savings, it's exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, and you must qualify to get a special rate. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com forward slash wrestle and take our proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending upon your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you could save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums when compared to other providers. And again, that's healthiq.com slash Russell to let them know we sent you and start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that's healthiq.com forward slash Russell. I guess we should talk about what Roddy sort of credits the mindset shift on. You know, he thinks that McMahon maybe reconsidered the way he viewed Roddy once Andre sold Piper's boxing offense. And I think it's pretty revolutionary at the time. You weren't seeing guys come out and just sort of box in the middle of a match. And Andre actually sold this for Roddy. He was screaming for the 10. And look at Piper just lowering left and right on the big guy, and he's got him stunned. And in hindsight, that is a bit of a head-scratcher for me because Andre wasn't selling a lot here. What did Andre see in Roddy? How did those guys get along, and why was he willing to do this for him? Well, Andre liked Roddy Piper, and Andre liked the human being, Roddy Piper. So in in the match, if if Andre likes you, he's definitely going to take care of you. And Roddy's stuff could be convincing enough that, yes, and, and Andre did sell. Andre was a great 
its selling and making things believable. But you had to make it believable. And that's what Roddy did. He made it believable. And being able to see the giant sell for him, Vince is looking at it going, well, if the boss can sell for him, anybody can sell for him. And if he makes him, he makes it believable and he gives them something to sell, then by God, we've got something here. They had something with Piper's pit. Vince McMahon decides to double down on the Roddy Piper business and they create a pretty unique concept. Uh, a lot of people would say that maybe Buddy Rogers was the first, but no doubt Roddy Piper was the most memorable with Piper's pit. And of course, the uh, first guest is Mr. Frankie Williams. I went on the premise of never having to lose a match. I've never lost a match in my whole career. I've had different things happen to me, but I have never actually lost a match because I figured once you were defeated one time that it would take that oomph away from you that you needed. Yourself, you're just the opposite. I have never seen you win a match, but you're a lousy wrestler. It's as simple as that. Man. I might be a lousy wrestler, but I'm still in there. I got not afraid of nobody. Uh, Bruce, you weren't there for this, but this is a moment that everybody was talking about. Were they not? Yes, because it was unique and it was different. You know, Rogers Corner. Ah, boy, um, not the best. <laughs> not the best presentation. Probably good for New York at the time, but it wasn't. It was boring. Let's just face it. It was boring. It wasn't. It wasn't good. It didn't help get anybody over, and it just kind of expose Buddy Rogers for not really being able to carry a promo, my opinion. Uh, now you got Roddy Piper in there. It's the first time that a heel now is put in a position as an interviewer and having his own show. It was a way to get Piper's personality over, but also to expose other talents and get them over. Use Piper's pit to get other talent over. The Frankie Williams interview where Roddy takes a gentleman who had been on, been an enhancement talent in New York for a long time, and just basically comes out and calls him out what every fan out there is already thinking. You're a bum. You're no good. Uh, da, da, uh, what the name? Uh, da, da, Frankie, da, da, Frankie William. Da, 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 da. And it was entertaining. On top of getting heat, you felt sorry for Frankie. At the same time, you were highly entertained by Roddy Piper. So it was not, you know, it was, you can't miss this, man. It was, you can't miss this segment each week on TV. Well, it was can't miss when they had Jimmy Snuka on. This is the moment that uh, changed everything for Roddy Piper. Of course, we know what's going to happen here. He's going to bring out a coconut and smash Jimmy Snuka in the head with it. You want to be a big shot. Oh, wait a second. Bananas and coconuts. You want to be a big shot. You know what? The only thing I didn't get, I didn't get a tree for you to climb up and down like a monkey. Like, am I making fun of you? Whoa. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. They tear down the set, and they are off to the races. They were main eventing all over the country after this. And they were drawing the same money as Hogan when Hogan was on top. So all of a sudden, Piper has established himself firmly as a top guy, a bona fide draw, and a main yep. eventer in the New York Territory. How big of a deal was this coconut situation with Jimmy Snuka on Piper's pit? Probably top 10 all time in the WWE. Absolutely. Definitely top five. Um, but 
as far as Piper's Pit, the most memorable Piper's Pit ever, bar none. Uh, but it was classic in that they utilized it to start the program and people. The beauty of it was Piper was getting his heat every single week on television. Roddy didn't have to work. Roddy, you had to pay to see Roddy Piper work. That was the other genius of it. So if you're sitting at home, all you're seeing is Roddy Piper run his mouth every week. But then you hear Roddy Piper's coming to your town and he's going to face Jimmy Snuka or he's going to be facing Hulk Hogan or whoever it is. It's like, now I get to see him get his ass kicked. I haven't had the opportunity to see him get his ass kicked yet. So now I'm going to go pay my money to see this take place. So as far as that goes, I, I mean, it was brilliant on, on Vince's part, on Roddy's part, because he didn't have to work on TV. And it was a way to get everybody over. And the Snooker program uh, put them both on the map, put everybody on the map, really. You know, it's it's sort of fun to look back at this era because both Piper and Hogan, while they're top guys here, they both acknowledged that they had some real-life animosity with each other yep. over... Who should be the top guy? Piper felt like Hogan had his spot. He felt like he'd paid his dues because he'd been a top guy in Portland and then down in Georgia. He'd set Carolina on fire as well. So in his mind, there was no question who had paid their dues between the two of them because from his perspective, Hogan worked Minnesota and made a movie with Stallone. He felt like he deserved the top spot. Does he have a, a point there that maybe from a paying your dues perspective, Piper was the right guy? I disagree with that. I, you know, come on. Hulk paid his dues. Hulk, Hulk worked Tennessee. Hulk worked Florida. Got his leg broken by Hero Matsuda. Came back, you know, and continued his training. Hulk Hogan paid his dues. That's for damn sure. There was jealousy. It was professional jealousy between the two. But to me, that's what made it work. Both were top guys, and both could make the argument for being the top guy. Because your top babyface means nothing without a top heel. So the fact that they both came up at the same time, opposite sides of the spectrum, babyface heel, and they kept them apart long enough so that both guys were able to build on their in their own right. But I think it was just... To me, that was just professional jealousy talking on Roddy's part. And I don't think he really believed that. Maybe he did. You know, no, Roddy probably did. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of professional jealousy there early on. Shit, and later well, on, too. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of their career, it's that's going to be the case. Let's talk about rock and wrestling and Cindy Lauper, because she was a big part of this early growth spurt from the company. And right in the middle of all of it, Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper... It seems like these guys were destined to finally have a match, but they don't touch for nearly a year, and it finally happens at the war to settle the score. I think it's still a cable rating to this day. It does a 9.1, huge business, and a huge attraction that sort of sets up WrestleMania. How big of a deal was Rock and Wrestling and Cindy's contribution to the early days here of the, of the company's success? I think that the the company kind of hitching its wagon to Cindy Lauper and of course MTV at the time, which was brand new. And MTV was the the young hip channel. That's what all the kids were talking about, and everybody was watching. Cindy Lauper was the hottest 
uh, pop act in the world. So the fact that Cindy was working with them, with Dave Wolf, her manager, Captain Lou Albano was in the Cindy Lauper Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, which seemed to play every 15 minutes on MTV. So there was recognition. All of a sudden, WWE stars are being seen on MTV a lot, doing a lot of things. The Rock and Wrestling Connection, you got, you got to throw uh, Wendy Richter in there as well, and her, her teaming up with Cindy Lauper. But Piper and Hogan. And this whole, the war to settle the score, on MTV, live, you had Dick Clark involved. You had uh, Bob Costas involved. It was it was a spectacle. Everybody was talking about it. And while people were whispering, oh, it's that wrestling stuff, you know, it's you, you can only take that so seriously. Everybody's talking about it. So now Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan are becoming household names in that, hey, did you see what happened? They're playing clippets of it on the news everywhere about in Madison Square Garden tonight, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan face off. I'm on the outside looking in. I'm, I'm in Houston working with Bill Watts and Paul Bosch, you know, running our wrestling promotion, and and we're looking at this attention, and this is terrible for wrestling. We don't want to be associated with rock and roll and, and all that nonsense. But they were exposing it to more eyeballs than had ever seen the product before, and it was genius. At the time, I mean, even now, it's still pretty controversial to have a, a man do something with a woman like this on camera. Uh, I mean, intergender matches are, are really the talk of the Internet these days about should they or shouldn't they. But here where we're doing, you know, promos with Roddy Piper threatening to do something to Cindy, this was real heat in the mid eighties. Was it not? Well, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just threatening to strike a female. It was threatening to strike the female that is leading the women's revolution at the time. I mean, Cindy Lauper represented the female pop population at the time with all the all the kids, the young girls, and she was leading a movement. So slapping Cindy Lauper or threatening to is basically saying you're slapping every you know everyone that's involved in that movement, everyone that supports Cindy Lauper. And that was the message and that was the tone that Roddy was trying to get across. And it was heat and it's definitely not something that uh that you get away with today, at least I don't think, and I don't think it'd be in good taste today. Then, a little different. Society was a little bit different. Of course, that leads to WrestleMania 1, where Mr. T would be involved in the main event, tagging with Hulk Hogan. And uh, again, Mr. T would find himself working with Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 2, this time in a boxing match. And those guys didn't always get along. And the rumor and innuendo is that uh, Roddy didn't really want to sell for a Hollywood actor. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Roddy didn't want to sell for a Hollywood actor or Mr. T. So, you know, Roddy kind of felt that using Mr. T, they didn't need Mr. T. However, Mr. T was a part of the A-Team on uh, ABC at the time. It was the number one syndicated show. He was red hot, man. He was a worldwide superstar. So utilizing, having the opportunity to work with T was a big deal. 
Roddy just didn't think, you know, I'm not going to sell for him. He's a, he's a Hollywood actor. I think Vince was utilizing not just T's Hollywood side, but Mr. T had a reputation. They had done a show called The World's Toughest Bouncers, and Mr. T won the first competition of The World's Toughest Bouncer and was, was named The World's Toughest Bouncer. So he had a street cred you know, reputation for being a tough guy, and Vince wanted to utilize that along with his stardom on the A-team to get eyeballs for WrestleMania 1. Roddy just, uh, for whatever reason, Mr. T and Roddy Piper didn't get along from day one. I don't know if T came in as, you know, I'm a big star and I need special treatment and uh, it's below me to work with wrestlers or what it was, but they did not like each other at all. Oh. Let's take a look at you. Here you are. You shaved your head on both sides. She dyes her orange. What you're doing is you're supporting all these wonderful children. Now, how can they look up to you with you looking like that, her with long hair? The children of American today must be sick to look at someone. Well, Piper knew how to get heat. You know, we talked about him threatening to rough up Cindy. And here with Mr. T, he has some pretty ridiculous lines to draw heat. One of them being, uh, you wear more chains than your ancestors. Wow. Uh, Piper knew how to get the white hot heat, man. But in neither of these situations, whether it's with Hogan or Mr. T or whoever, does he do a clean pinfall? And that's something that Piper really made his calling card on. And he's on record as saying, Quote, I got kids. The way I feed my children is how much money I can make. I wouldn't lay my shoulders down for anybody, end quote. And uh, Dave Meltzer once wrote after Roddy passed away in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Piper said what everyone else knew but wouldn't say, which was the WWF track record was that heels would get hot and have a big money drawing run, lose to the champion, and then mostly work mid cards. He felt that as long as he never lost to the champion, he would have enough steam to continue to be a main eventer. In fact, during his first run with the company, through his first announced retirement angle in 1987, Piper only lost one match by pinfall, a Fijian death match to Snuka on July 20th, 1984 at Keele Auditorium in St. Louis in their third singles meeting in the city. This is uh, a different era, a different time. But that was like Piper's calling card for a long time. He would absolutely not lose to Hogan or anybody else. Did you ever have a conversation with Piper about that? Roddy was very old school, and Roddy was of the opinion that if you if you lose, that hurts you. I've never been of that opinion, and we actually used to get in arguments over it all the time because I, I just don't buy that philosophy. I don't think that uh, a loss hurts you as long as you maintain your heat, and you keep doing what you do well and do it better than anybody else. Uh, Roddy disagreed with that, and he did maintain that if he was to lose, that would hurt him. And, you know, it was no secret that the old system in the old New York territory, if you were, it was a heel factory. They had a babyface champion. Heels came in. They worked on top with the champion, and then they went around after the fact, and they worked with the the next guy in line, and then they were gone, and they they went away to come back at a later date. Now with national expansion, and now 
There's no place else to go, really. Yes, they could leave and go to Jim Crockett, but Vince was not looking for people to leave. He wanted to create stars. So I think that he gave in. You know, I'm sure that he fed into, okay, Roddy. Um, and obviously Vince fed into it and Vince accepted it because Roddy didn't do a lot of jobs. And he felt that that kept Roddy Piper special. And he agreed with it. So it worked. One of the things that made Piper special was Piper's pit. And that is going to be the reason we have a match at WrestleMania three, because around this time, Adrian Adonis starts his own talk show, the flower shop. And of course, Piper makes a few appearances to try to tear up the flower shop set. And now we have a natural reason for these guys to have a match at WrestleMania three. And this is supposed to be Piper's swan song. But before we talk about his jump to Hollywood, let's talk about how the angle was built. And how someone got a new nickname after this match. And I blame Roddy Piper for that. Well, one of the biggest stars in the business emerged from this as a top guy. Um, you know, going into it, Piper had been away and Adrian Adonis had, and I think he broke Roddy's leg or screwed up his knee, did something. But Roddy Piper coming back to destroy the flower pit, which had replaced Piper's pit, uh, was classic television. Roddy was looking and Roddy was sincere in his desire to, to get away from the business and to go and try his hand in Hollywood, whether it was making movies or doing TV, there was interest there for Roddy and Roddy didn't want to be one of those guys that hung on to the business. Now, again, we're talking Roddy back then in 1987, uh, Roddy wanted to move on. Roddy wanted to make the transition. So leading up to, you know, to the match, there was an incident, I believe it was in Los Angeles, uh, it, near the shower where Roddy was wet and slipped and got electrocuted. So there was even doubt, so the story goes, that Piper would even make the WrestleMania match with Adrian Adonis because he had been electrocuted and fairly severely, so I, so I hear. Um, to hear him tell it, I was fried and, you know, but, uh, but he was okay. And he, he had the match leading to Adrian Adonis getting his head shaved by the one and the only, the barber, Brutus Beefcake. There comes the Goldilocks. As the Clippers, we put the good use by Brutus Beefcake. All right, guys, listen up. Today's episode of Something to Wrestle With is a best of, but we're talking about the best of saving you some money right now. You want to get out of debt faster? You want a cheaper monthly payment? You ready to pay your house off? Why would you not do it with the cheapest, most affordable interest rate ever? And at the same time, skip your next two house payments? What's wrong with that? cash me outside. I'm talking about cashing out all your credit cards. Really think about that. Just like that. All your credit card debt gone. You don't need to worry about paying 19 or 21% interest. We're going to get your rate in the fours or fives. How about this? It's all tax deductible. You see the interest rate you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible. The interest rate you pay on your mortgage is tax deductible. If you can get a lower rate, I'm talking about a fraction of a fraction of the same rate. 
and it's tax deductible. Why wouldn't you do this? If you can skip your next two house payments, why wouldn't you do this? Especially during the holidays. If I could take you from a 30 year loan to a 15 year loan, why wouldn't you do this? Find out how easy it is. And I'm talking to you. I know what you're thinking, but I'm in 42 states. Find out if one of the states is yours and save as much money as you ever thought possible. You don't need perfect credit. In fact, even credit scores in the 500s will qualify. You don't need money out of your pocket. Dude, if I can't save you money, I won't waste your time. What's your excuse now? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. Why would you not? You know me. Hopefully you like me. Hopefully you trust me. If I can't save you cash, I will not waste your time. Hurry right now. Savewithconrad.com. NLS number 65084. Equal housing lender. So Piper's going to Hollywood to work with John Carpenter and the now classic, they live. Mm -hmm. How does he come to break this news to Vince and and how did Vince receive it? Because this is long before Hulk Hogan or the rock or anybody else did it. You know, this acting bug came calling and I'm, I'm curious how Vince received this news. Well, I, you know, as far as I know, I I've, I've heard it from Vince. I've heard it from Roddy too, that. Piper was uh, contacted by John Carpenter's people. John Carpenter was a big fan of Roddy Piper. And he had this script. He had this movie. He wanted Roddy to star in it. So, geez, man. <laughs> John Carpenter is one of the biggest movie makers in the world at the time. It was a big name. Who wouldn't want to do it? But Roddy had gone in, and I think Vince probably wanted Roddy to think about it a little more and say, go do your movie and come back. And Roddy felt, if I go to the movie and come back, then I'm still just a wrestler. If I go do the movie and I stay in Hollywood and I continue to do movies and I continue to do other things in the acting genre, then I'll be an actor. And he wanted to get out of the wrestling label and wanted to move on. So Vince was like, you know, what are you going to do? He's, he's basically quitting, wants to retire. He was one of the biggest stars of the era. So Vince did the retirement match at WrestleMania three and let him go on his way. Piper's sort of gone on record as saying he felt like the no holds barred movie and the decision for Vince and Hogan to make it was in direct response to him leaving to make they live your response to that. No, I think that Vince always, I mean, ever, at least ever since I've known Vince, he's always wanted to be in movies. He's always wanted to produce movies and do that. Uh, the no holds barred. I don't think that was a direct response to they live in any way, shape or form. It was more of a response to Vince wanting to be in the movie business and producing executive producing and producing a movie with his top star Hulk Hogan. You know, things don't get that person. Things really don't get that personal, believe it or not. By God, he made a movie. I'm going to go make a movie with somebody else now because he made a movie. It just doesn't happen. So you're saying Piper's paranoid. Roddy was very paranoid. Yeah. Uh, Piper makes his return to a show in Denver just before WrestleMania five. But by this time, there's a new talk show in the company. It's the brother love show. Tell us about Roddy's return and how you heard those plans might actually affect your plans for WrestleMania. Well, originally, uh, 
we were talking about WrestleMania five and Vince had told me that there was going to be a brother love show with a special guest. We talked about a lot of different guests, Jessica Hahn, who was Jim Baker's uh, secretary that had an affair and blew up the whole televangelical world, uh, different outside people. One topic was Morton Downey Jr. Who we did get, but it was all around the brother love show because brother love was a big star by God. Um, and make no mistake about it, Brother Love Show was a complete ripoff of Piper's Pit. And I, I thank Roddy for the inspiration. But yeah, I was completely ripping off Piper's Pit and, and trying to emulate that as much as I possibly could. However, as I get into it, Vince calls me into his office one day and he's uh, sitting there and he says, Well, pal, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Bad news is, no brother love show at uh, WrestleMania. But the good news is, we got Roddy Piper. So I'm like, I just get f***ed out of WrestleMania by Roddy Piper, my idol, the guy I, I stole everything from. Um, and then Vince goes on to tell me it's going to be a Piper's Pit with Morton Downey Jr. And then after making me sweat it out all that much more, he finally says... And brother love. So now I'm excited. I'm psyched. Not only am I still going to be in WrestleMania five, but I'm going to be on Piper's pit with Roddy Piper. It was a dream come true for me. And he says, how, how do you get along with Piper? I don't know him. You know, I've never, never met him. My brother knows him really well. Tom had worked with Roddy in Atlanta, but you know, I didn't know Roddy. All right. I'm going to send you to Denver. Um, Roddy's available, and I want you to fly out there and work something out with him, and let's come up with something for WrestleMania. Okay, cool. You know, I've heard nothing but good things about Roddy, and i uh, always learned that you judge people how they treat you, not on what you hear, rumor and innuendo. Oh, that guy's an asshole. This guy's difficult. You, 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 you judge on how they treat you and how they work with you. So I go out to meet with Roddy, and we get to Denver, and if you've ever been to Denver and you're a fat guy like me, uh, as soon as you get off the plane, you're like, <gasps> what happened to the air? Um, so I, I, we get to the building. I get acclimated a little bit. I wasn't in shape, folks. Uh, we get to the building, and Jack Lanza has a sign on the door, one of the big dressing rooms, Roddy Piper, Brother Love. Nothing like just shoveling heat on us right right off the right off the top. So Roddy comes in, introduce myself, and and Roddy likes to pet people. What I mean is he likes to just kind of pet you, and he puts his hand. Oh, you're a nice young man. You're a good looking young fella there. Huh. Yeah. So so tell me what is it that you do? And I'm explaining. Well, have you seen? You know, like Mr. Piper. Have you seen the Brother Love Show? Ha, yeah, no, man. I I was out with the with the hobos that night, man. Sorry, I didn't see it. I was well. I'm on every week, you know. And he's like, "No, I haven't seen you, son. Tell me about yourself." So I'm explaining all this to him, and I had an idea because I did Roddy. I, in case you didn't know that by now, and I said, "How about if I do this thing where I interview you, but..." Every time you go to answer, I pull the microphone away from you and I answer in your voice. And then the third time you get pissed and you take the microphone. Away. 
So uh, tell me there, son. <laughs> well, what are you going to say there? And I start laying the segment out for him. And he's just looking at me like, huh, that's cute. Yeah, that's that's real cute there. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. You, you know what? Let's just go out there and let's just, we'll call it in the ring there, fella. Okay? You know, we'll, we'll end with a little, you know, a little gaga and everybody gets out happy. And on the third time that I pull the microphone away from him, instead of grabbing the microphone, Roddy just hauls off and knocks the living shit out of me. And I fall back and I catch the middle rope and I'm just looking up at him. He says, come get some more sun. And I'm like, that hurt. Um, we finished it out, came back and I walked up and uh, he wanted to see what I was made of. But he shook my hand and said, that was great, man. We'll just add on that from there to WrestleMania. Good stuff there, son. So WrestleMania was made, and uh, the rest, as they say, was history. But but it was, it was terrifying because I knew that he hated when people imitated him. Right. But I also knew that I just thought that idea would work. And whether it did or not, I thought it did, and I liked it. So I was sticking to it. Well, I mean, I would say that you doing impressions worked because we are a two-time, two-time podcast of the year. So let's talk about WrestleMania five. I'll uh, see my trophy. Hang on. More. Oh, it's way over there. Sorry. I'll... We believe you. We believe you. I don't want to have to get up and spoil my other gimmick here. Morton Downey Jr. Wait, your other gimmick. Are you wearing shorts? You don't know that. Okay. At least it's pants. I mean, at least there's something down there. Yeah, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm, well, yeah. Anatomically correct. Okay. Okay. WrestleMania five, if we can get back on track here, Roddy Piper, brother love and Morton Downey jr. That's a name that uh, we haven't heard in a long time. How was it working with Morton Downey? What do you remember this segment? How much was scripted? How much was ad libbed sort of walk us through this. Well, first of all, Morton Downey Jr. was a huge talk show host in the 80s, and his gimmick was he was very antagonistic. And so cigarette after cigarette after cigarette on his shows and would be, you know, zip it, baby. Uh, taped his stuff in New Jersey, but he was a top syndicated talk show host around the country. Everybody knew Morton Downey Jr. He was a household name. So we... Secured the services of Morton Downey Jr. for WrestleMania. Now, the best part is that uh, Vince hates smoke. We talked about that last week on the Million Dollar Man episode. But Morton Downey's gimmick was smoking. So we bring Morton in to the studio to shoot these vignettes. And Morton's in there, and he's smoking and all this stuff. So Vince says to him, He's like, you know, hey, Vince, I understand you don't like smoke. I'm sorry. You know, I'll try and limit it and everything. And Vince like, no, go ahead, pal. Just smoke away. Smart Downey Jr. is smoking this whole time. Vince is wearing the ugliest suit I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay? And we've got pictures of it, you know, of me, my brother loves stuff, and Morton Downey and his stuff, and Vince and his ugly suit. But Morton is, is smoking the whole time, and Vince is completely no-selling it the whole nine yards. So afterwards, I'm like, you taking that uh, suit to the cleaners? I'm burning it. 
And Vince took the suit off, threw it away, got in the shower, and and was done with that suit from ever. Thank God we never had to see that suit again. But uh, Morton was great, you know, beforehand. <laughs> Morton was great. He was easy to work with. He got it. He was an entertainer. Uh, the question was, would Roddy get Morton and would Morton get Roddy? They both got me pretty much because I'm a goof. I'm a gimmick. And my part was easy. But when I finally got them together at WrestleMania and I'm laying everything out and, and Roddy is not trusting Morton Downey, paranoid. Oh, this guy's going to try and get over on me, man. Nah, uh-uh. Not going to happen. And Morton is like, hey, is he going to go off on me and do something off script? And everybody's, you know second guessing everybody else. So we lay it out and the whole thing was laid out for about 14 minutes from the time that I left to the time that Piper was walking out of the ring. We timed it out and it was about 14 minutes all in with the first pretty much 10 minutes being all three of us. Well, man, I go out, I do the whole opening segment, and Piper comes out, we do our bit, and when I leave, all bets are off. Because all they were supposed to do was Roddy go in to ask Morton a question, and Morton Downey blows smoke in his face. Mr. Downey. Yes, Mr. Piper. Don't blow no more smoke in my face. I want to ask you nothing. I'm not wearing a skirt, so that word doesn't go with me. Uh, I asked you a question. Maybe you didn't hear me. He asks it a second time. Morton Downey blows smoke in his face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like the fourth time you've done that, you know. And uh, I'm going to say this to you again. Don't blow no more smoke in my face. Do you understand that? Try it, try this. You're like, what? Mm, mm. You like it? Isn't that good? Think about that. That's good. You know, man, God, maybe I'm mistaken. <laughs> and maybe you're hard of hearing. But, you know, after smelling that smoke, I'd like to have one of those air cigarettes. You think you could light one up for me? Yo, Mr. Downey, give me that smoke, would you? But it just, it got personal. They started shooting on each other and no one knew where the hell it was going to go or worse, when it was going to end. And Vince is in the back looking at me. I got bloody knees from falling down in my little red bikini underwear and I'm just blowed up from running up that damn ramp. Damn it, when are they going to end? And I'm like, don't know. Had no clue. But, thank God it finally ended. Eventually. Piper Piper comes back to action after WrestleMania. He starts doing some color and then eventually starts a feud with Ravishing Rick Rude. And I believe Brother Brother Love had some more fun with Roddy Piper during his Rick Rude feud. And it may or may not have involved a shaving kit. What's the scoop on that, Bruce? Well... You know, since Brother Love was tied to Bobby Heenan and we're both heels, by God, uh, the idea was for Brother Love to kind of be a spokesman, 
to Roddy Piper's face for Rick Rude and for Bobby Heenan. And we did that leading up to where Piper now is, is talking about the hygiene and the bad breath that Rick Rude has and how he needs to have his mouth cleaned out and so on and so forth. So he does it to to me, basically beats me up and takes me down. He's got his little shaving kit there and he takes the toothpaste and he squirts it into my mouth and then he takes his finger and brushes my teeth for me and then goes to get the mouthwash and all this stuff. Well, leading up to that, uh, Piper goes in, they're going over the segment and everything, and, and Piper goes in and Vince throws Piper his shaving kit. And allegedly someone in the room said, hey, use this toothbrush and we'll shove it up our ass and uh, then you brush Bruce's teeth with it. And kudos to Roddy Piper. He smartened me up to that. And and Roddy was like, took the toothbrush and, and threw it out. He says, don't worry, kid, I'll get you. Instead, I probably got Roddy's finger in my mouth, <laughs> brushing my teeth. And who knows where the hell that finger had been. But I'm sure it was better than a toothbrush that had gone up someone's keister. Good times. Is this... Is this- is this a rib? Is this real life? There was a real No, that was real life. That was it was an attempted rib. But Roddy and I got along pretty good and uh not something he would have done to me, thank God. How many ribs in wrestling involve something going up someone else's ass? You know, it seems to be a common thread a lot of times. It's like, hey, let's rib him. What do you want to do? Put this up your butt. Then put it in his bag. <laughs> He'll never know. Oh, uh, you know that that has that trend is not caught in caught on in mortgages. Uh, um, most famously, I think most people remember this era Roddy Piper for his feud with Bad News Brown and the iconic look he sported at WrestleMania Six. Uh, maybe a little more controversial these days than it was then. He would say it wasn't racist at all. What did you think of Roddy painting himself half black? You're a jerk and you're stupid. Oh, Roddy Piper, you, 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 you a sharecropper with big pot belly. You, you ain't a man. You different. You and them sharecroppers for me. You're right. We are different from you. Us sharecroppers and me, we're different. We're honest and uh, we're real men. I wasn't in favor of it. And again, I didn't look at it as racist. I looked at it as controversial. And it was very controversial even then. You know, and the barometer a lot of times is is when you go to your opponent and you say, hey, are you cool with this? And they're like, hell yeah, man, it's fine. Um, Maybe not always the best focus group. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, Roddy did it. And and went out and half of him the the black half for whatever reason he chose Michael Jackson to to kind of bring out beat it beat it you know and I'm like ah it, it was it was what it was and no that wouldn't hopefully would never happen in 2018 and it it was not I don't think it was in the best of taste because you have to explain it anything that you have to explain to me is, is not good. But after the fact, after Roddy had used this solution to paint half of his body black, right down the middle, he goes back to the dressing room and there was another special solution. I'm sorry. So I'll back up the, the stuff that was on him 
was like semi-permanent. It would last a long time. It wasn't permanent, permanent, but if you sweat and people rubbed on it, it wouldn't come off without a special solution to remove it. So after the match, when Roddy comes back to the dressing room and he gets the special solution, Arnold Skoland accidentally tips over the solution, the remover, and it goes right down the drain. So Piper now has like about that much of the solution left, and he's trying to get this black paint off of his body to no avail. Rick Martell is in the dressing room in the shower with Roddy with a toothbrush, scrubbing him raw, trying to get this stuff off, and it won't come off. So Piper's walking uh, walking through the airport. Uh, he had some stuff, stuff bunny uh, for his kids and stuff, walking through the airport, half black and half white. Hello there, folks. Good to see you. Beat it. Beat it. Yeah. Starting early, kids. He briefly takes another break from wrestling for a little while and tries to land a television series here with Jesse Ventura on ABC. Do you remember this uh, this pilot episode they did together? Yeah, Tag Team, I think it was called. And I saw it. It also had uh, Samu of the Samoans and Tonga Kid. Uh, well, Tonga Kid was definitely, I don't know if Sammy was in it or not, but it was horrible. Dirk, Dirk Benedict, I think, was also in it. Um, it was terrible though. I mean, I remember Roddy talking about, oh yeah, man, I'm going to get the boys involved, man. The guys, the boys are going to have life after wrestling, man. We're going to have all these things, plenty of episodes going to use all my buddies. You're going to be in it too. You know, he'd tell me. And I saw the pilot. It was, it was pretty bad. So he finds himself back doing commentary again. This time, once Ventura has been fired, how did this come about, and why did Vince like him so much in this role? Well, I liked him, and I wanted to try it because I, I loved the Rod Piper stuff from Georgia. We were looking, we were looking for a color commentator. Bobby Heenan was was the best in the business at the time, and Bobby was working with Gorilla. Didn't want to break up that team, so thought, well, what if we get somebody else? Piper had done an awesome job with Gordon Soley. In Georgia before, and I thought Piper would do a great job here with Vince. So Vince is like, okay, we'll give him a try, but he's all yours. You're going to have to deal with him, and you're the one that's going to have to make sure that he gets here on time, that he's not a problem, and that he's going to do what we ask him to do. So Piper comes in, and Vince suggests that I have a meeting with Roddy and explain to him that let him know that you're in charge and that he's going to be answering to you. And by God, you got to make, you got to make it clear who's, who's in charge here. So I call Rod. I say, Hey man, let's get together. We'll have a few drinks and, uh, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what we're going to do going forward. Cause Roddy didn't want to be wrestling full time. And the commentary gig was a good one. I thought he'd be good at. So I get to a hotel. We were supposed to go out. And have dinner and get a few drinks. Instead, I call up to the room and he's like, hello there, son. Yeah. You know, man, I'm thinking I, you know, we don't need to go out. I, I ordered a few cocktails up here 
and we could just chat in my room. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So I go up to the room, and he's got about a case of beer on ice. He's got shots lined up of a clear liquid. I think like a dozen. And we start drinking. Drink a beer. He says, here you go, son, have one of these. I said, what is it? Ha, nothing that'll kill you there, son. Ha, salud. And it was Sambuca. And so I'm drinking Sambuca shots, drinking a beer, drinking a Sambuca shot, eating the coffee beans, which I didn't know what the hell I was eating. He's throwing coffee beans in, chewing them up. Ha, yeah, that's good for you there, son. Here, try one of these. And they were white coffee beans. I didn't know what the hell they were, but chew those up too. Um, and then we we inhaled a few things. Um, and we, you know, we just had a really, really good, good meeting. And Roddy looks at me. <laughs> good meeting. We had a great meeting. And, and he looks at me at one point and, and he says, he goes, hey, uh, Vince asked you to come up here and talk to me, didn't he? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he did. He goes, we'll be fine, man. As long as it's just you and me, we'll be fine. I said, okay, great. So I attempted to drive home, which I... Would not recommend uh, anyone do after doing the things I did that night. And um, that was an experience in and of itself, too. Let's talk about uh, Piper on commentary. Some would say that Piper was more concerned about getting himself over on commentary than anything else. Is that a fair criticism? This time around, I thought Roddy um, had lost the touch. Roddy was more concerned about... Roddy Piper than he was the story. And Roddy was all about his cute lines and being funny and getting Roddy Piper over. When is a hen not a hen? I don't know when. Yeah, when it's a goose, let's get Roddy! That's not what color, color commentary is about. It's about getting the talent in the ring over. And Roddy was, you know, he was getting himself over. He was already over. He didn't need right. to get himself over anymore. So I, I wanted to use his his stardom. I wanted to use his star power to sprinkle some hot rod dust on the other talent that he was talking about. And that and, was what we are looking for. And of all the people to sprinkle this hot rod dust on, you guys do it in Virgil. I, I just can't believe this is the choice. This is the decision, but Piper gets involved with Virgil and even makes the save for him at WrestleMania. It feels like you guys are just sort of out of ideas for Piper at this. I mean, he's one of the biggest stars in the company. This is WrestleMania. He's working with Virgil. How does this come to be? I mean, was Piper just a big fan of meat sauce or what's going on here? Who booked this shit? Roddy always liked breadsticks and endless salad, but at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> anything for free there, fella. It's like when he hit when Roddy hit me with the the line in at WrestleMania when I said I'm a little bit Scotch. He says, "Hey, you're Scotch, huh? I mean, is there anything Scottish about you? Are you cheap? Are you anything?" Um, that was the one line that always stood out to me the most. But going back to Virgil, it, it look. If Virgil wasn't going to get over after working with Roddy Piper and having Piper endorse him, then he wasn't going to get over. And so you can't say we didn't give it a shot. And we tried the best we could. 
and the fail-safe of having DiBiase to be able to slide right into a Piper issue, that helped too. Not long after this, you got canned. Did Piper stay in touch once you were uh, on hiatus? Yes, he did. Roddy and I would would talk, you know, probably once a month or so, but we always kept in touch. And Roddy is one of those guys, you look through the wrestling business and they always say, you know, if you can count your friends on one hand, that's that's a lot. I mean, that's pretty good. And Roddy was one of those guys that I would put on that hand that always kept in touch and always thought of me, you know, wasn't all, and it wasn't always one way, me calling Roddy going, Oh my God, what's happening. Uh, it went both ways where he would call and make sure how you doing there, son. And, uh, definitely did. So in 1991, he's actually Ric Flair's first feud in the company. And in early 92, he beats the Mountie for the intercontinental title at the Royal rumble. And then he loses it to Bret Hart at WrestleMania eight. In your opinion, is his WrestleMania eight intercontinental match with Bret Hart, the best of his career? I thought, it, you know, uh, as far as work in the ring, absolutely. I think that Bret Hart got the absolute best out of uh, Roddy. Tremendous match. They told a great story. Um, and again, I'm not saying that Roddy Piper was a terrible worker. I'm just saying that that match, as far as work-wise, story, in-ring, bell-to-bell, was probably Roddy's best match ever. This winds up being... Roddy's only gold in the WWE until years later when he has a bit of a tag run with Ric Flair. Why was this his only singles title? Because he didn't, Roddy Piper didn't need a championship. And if you were to ask me, I would have said that the championship probably hurt Roddy more than helped him. Roddy, Roddy meant more to the championship than the championship did to Roddy. He winds up back with the company as a special guest referee for both WrestleMania 10 and WrestleMania 11, uh, was this like just an annual call where Vince felt like, Hey, we need something special. Pick up the <laughs> phone, get Roddy on the phone. Yeah. You know, Roddy wasn't working full time. I don't think Roddy wanted to work full time, nor did Vince particularly want Roddy full time. But when you're looking for something special for WrestleMania, we were thinking about special guest referees for the unique situation that we had there for the uh, two matches for the championship at the end and perfect was one and thinking of different guys, Roddy Piper was the other. So for WrestleMania 10, it was a nice return Madison square garden, the 10 year anniversary of WrestleMania where Roddy had headlined 10 years before. Um, you know, it made sense. It made sense for him to be a part of the main event again in the garden for WrestleMania 10. Let's talk about Roddy's feud with Jerry Lawler in 1994. Uh, things really get kicked off when Lawler has a kid on the King's court doing an impersonation of Roddy Piper. What do you remember about the feud, this kid, and of course that, uh, King of the ring match with Jerry Lawler. Whew. Wow. Well, first of all, we didn't have a lot of dates on Roddy. 
and Roddy had this idea. Roddy was carrying it around, carrying around like a high eight camera, or I don't know what what generation it was. But Roddy carried this portable camera around everywhere he went, and Roddy was documenting things in the airport. Roddy was doing YouTube Live and Facebook Live before there was a Facebook and a YouTube, and he was shooting this stuff and sending it. Can you use this? This is Roddy Piper eating lunch one day. This is Roddy Piper uh, running into a, a bum one day and feeding him. This is Roddy Piper having an altercation with the uh, rental car company. And it was it was good stuff. I just didn't know what the hell to do with it. So Roddy's shooting a lot of the, these things back and forth, and, and we tried to incorporate some of them when we didn't have him available for TV and things of that nature. And so it was, it, it was different, but we had the two big mouse, Roddy Piper and Jerry Lawler, and they were able to go back and forth verbally. It was a fair fight. Uh, unfortunately at King of the ring, the bell rang. And as good as I just said that that Bret Hart match was, at WrestleMania, this was as bad in the opposite direction. Vince wasn't there that night. Uh, he was home and had surgery on his neck. And I remember the phone call afterward. What the f*** was that? <laughs> you booked it! <laughs> um, not good. It... it, it you would have thought they would have had great chemistry, two old timers. Right. But but it, it became two old timers that were taking shortcuts. Yeah, don't go out of your way to watch King of the Ring 94 with Piper Lawler. Um, January 96, Gorilla Monsoon goes down, of course, when Big Van Vader uh, attacks him. And, and, of course, Gorilla is the on-screen commissioner. So he's replaced by Rowdy Roddy Piper. And the rumored innuendo is that the original plan for WrestleMania 12 was Razor Ramon versus Goldust. And that's certainly the direction we were starting in early 96. But allegedly, Scott Hall is uncomfortable with this. So the decision is made to pivot to Piper. Why was Piper the guy to do it? And were there any other ideas that were considered instead of Piper? Well, along the way to the promotion of WrestleMania 12, Goldust's character was getting hot. Razor was considered. Razor didn't want to do it, so we were looking for someone else for Goldust. Also along the way, considered for WrestleMania 12, was it's in L.A., or it's in Anaheim, Hollywood, California. What kind of a Hollywood tie-in can we do? O.J. Simpson had recently been acquitted uh, in the O.J. Simpson trial. O.J. Simpson was red hot. I think that you could find a lot of people that wanted to see O.J. get his ass kicked. And that was a real common thread amongst pretty much everyone. So the question was asked, what if O.J. Simpson got in the ring and put him against, you know, somebody and OJ gets his ass kicked. And thinking about different people, Piper's name came up. 
and Piper was interested in it. Um, OJ's people were at least listened to it. But then, you know, we got outside of the bubble and we got outside of um, a handful of people even knowing this idea existed. The backlash and the, the horrible feedback came in so quickly that we quickly realized that, yeah, this is not going to work. There's no way, absolutely no way to spin this. There's no way to make this palatable for anyone. I don't care who you are, um, to make this match a reality. So now, me ain't. Left turn. Goldust needs an opponent. We're back to Hollywood. We were using Roddy for Hollywood. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's talk about the OJ thing for a minute here. Um, this is because I know a lot of people hear that idea and probably attribute it to Vince Russo. This is pre-Russo, right? Pre-Russo. Well, what's great to me is, you know, we always hear all these crazy ideas that were blamed on Vince Russo and people say, oh no, he needed Vince McMahon as like a governor, you know, to sort of oversee the decisions. But Vince McMahon was on board with this OJ idea. How does he present it? I mean, what did he think well, about it? Well, I think it might have kind of originally came out of my mouth. I don't really know. But Vince tried it on. I mean, we, we got it to the point of at least throwing it out there. But he thank tried God, it on and it cooler didn't heads, cooler heads, Yeah, cooler heads prevailed, and, and we didn't go down that road. Look, not all my ideas are great ideas, okay? I invented the Million Dollar Man. I created the Million Dollar Belt. um, I created this podcast. I invented the headlock. Um, Sometimes I'm going to have a bad idea, Conrad. This was it. This is the one. Okay. All right. I'll give you the one for the rest of this season. This is is my bad idea. Uh, Yeah, this and wanting to have a public execution on pay-per-view. Other than that... That's it for bad ideas ever in the history so, of Bruce Richard. When OJ's out, I can't believe that's the thing. Uh, now Razor's out, so it seems natural to put them together. And now you add like another twist since you're in California. Why not make it a Hollywood backlot brawl? Talk us through this. Wanted it to be different. So the it's, didn't want to just have a match. And we talked about. Because uh, going back to Razor and Goldust, one of the ideas for the Razor-Goldust match was to have a Miami street fight and do it in like an alley or or do it on a Miami street down on South Beach and have a live, you know, live satellite from Miami and then uh, tie that into the pay-per-view. So Vince was kept going back to that as well. How do we incorporate that? And he came up with the backlot brawl. We go to a Hollywood backlot because that's where Goldust would hang out. Roddy Piper, familiar with Hollywood, big movie, they live. Let's do it in a Hollywood backlot. And that was the concept behind it. So we were able to secure, uh, I think it was through Disney, uh, Mitch Ackerman and um, Larry Burton and a few others were able to help us secure a back lot in, in Hollywood there and pull that damn thing off. But Vince had a vision of what the hell he wanted to see. So when did you guys shoot it? What are your memories of putting it together? Was anyone injured? Uh, what can you tell us about the cars that were used, the Bronco and the Cadillac, the whole deal? Well, Vince bought 
a Cadillac, had it painted gold for gold dust. Um, from there, he bought a, a white Ford Bronco for Hot Rod. Um, because apparently that's what everybody drives uh, in L.A. or white Ford Broncos. The, the, the whole pitch, you know, we get there, we shot it a week beforehand. Um, Vince, myself... Piper, Goldust, uh, went to California. We go out, we lay this whole thing out, and we shot all of the physicality. We shot the entire fight all the way to them driving off in the lot uh, a week ahead of time. So we had every everything laid out. We had people from the studio standing out there, had craft services for us to have our food fight because Vince has to have a food fight in any scene. Um and throughout it, one of the things that, that Piper did was Piper wanted Goldust to drive the car at him and to take a bump on top of the car so that, like, he was he got hit by the car. Vince wasn't really keen on that because he didn't want anybody getting hurt. Roddy's not a stuntman, but Roddy convinced him, you know, let me try this. And Goldust hit it, and Piper gets on top of the deal, on top of the hood. He hangs on. And all they asked us was, look, don't go beyond a certain point on the studio. Don't go into the parking lot. Don't You can't shoot beyond here. You can't drive your cars beyond here. So what do we do? With Piper on the hood of the damn car, Goldust turns the corner, and Piper throws off. We hit a Lexus. We hit a car um, accidentally, total accident, of one of the producer's at Disney in the lot. So that was a lot of fun. Good explaining. Um, but in the whole thing, Piper broke his wrist and was hurt pretty bad. Uh, Goldust got cut open pretty bad and had to get uh, stitches. And Roddy, yeah, screwed his, screwed his wrist up pretty good. And we had to go right to the emergency room after the, after the shoot. What happened with the Bronco? Well, the, the Bronco, uh, you saw the footage of the Bronco going down the freeway, actual footage. Um, that We take the, the piece that we shot a week before. That was like earlier, or that was one part earlier in the show at WrestleMania 12. And then we come back live, and the idea is that Goldust is arriving, is arriving at the building, and Piper is arriving right behind him. They also wanted to do this bit where Goldust threw open the door of the Cadillac and Roddy would come down and knock the door off of the Cadillac. And that didn't work that good and Piper crashed into it. But we had to recreate. <laughs> One of the things was because they got bloodied, the blood had dried on their clothes. So that's another reason we had to have the space in between. And since Roddy didn't have his wrist taped yet, uh, we had to have Roddy find some tape on his way to the ring and tape his wrist all up so that he would be able to work the rest of the little fight that he had with Goldust in front of the audience. Um, it worked out all right. I think that I was entertained by it. I, I enjoyed it. So, well, what I was trying to ask is allegedly Piper kept the Bronco. Uh, Vince gave, Vince gave gold dust, the gold Cadillac and Piper. He gave him the Bronco, had it delivered to his house. Yes. Both of them How got fun it. Is on. 
So Piper shows up in WCW in October of 96. Of course, WrestleMania was March of 96, but now Piper's going to switch sides here. And this is, uh, a big deal because Piper has been with the company for more than a decade here. He hasn't wrestled anywhere else. And now he's going to show up at Halloween havoc to challenge Hollywood Hogan and the NWO. When does Vince find out and how did he take it when he found out that one of his original superstars is now working for the competition? Wow. Would you look at this? Yes. You know who that is. My goodness, it's Rowdy, Roddy Piper. No doubt about it. Out of nowhere, look at Hulk Hogan's face. That's one man Hogan does not want to see. That's one man who has haunted Hogan's life since he started in this business. We found out the night before. We found out the night before the Halloween show. I called Roddy and I asked him what he was doing. I'd heard about it, and I wanted to know if it was true or not, and I knew he wouldn't lie to me. And he told me that they had offered him a deal, and it was nothing personal. He was feeding his family, and I said, damn, could you not have come to me and and said, hey, they've offered me this deal, and see if we could match it or beat it? He says, you can't match it. You can't beat it. And I've already signed. I've given him my word, and as a gentleman, you know, I, I'm. I hope you'll respect that. What you know? What can you do? He, he didn't lie to me. He didn't try and con me or swerve me. He was straight up, honest about it, um, and I understood his position. You know, he probably got a hell of a deal there. Never told me what it was, and it was something that he felt he needed to do at the time. Before Piper came back with the company, he wound up doing a shot for TNA and he's in the ring with Vince Russo, sort of taking Russo to task for the Owen Hart accident. Did you ever talk to Piper about that? I did. And I I just, I guess I expressed my confusion about it. Uh, I didn't like it. I, you know, obviously I've never talked about that, and I won't talk about it because it's just too personal to me. But Roddy was... Roddy's Roddy. Roddy wanted to be controversial and felt that that was real and that people would gravitate to it because they would say, ooh, that's something you weren't supposed to touch. Right. And I said, Roddy, it is something you're not supposed to touch, and it wasn't cool. And I think he got it after a while. But in the moment, I think he was just thinking, what are we going to, how are we going to get people talking? And that's why they did it. Well, people were talking at WrestleMania 19, Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon in the middle of a match. And we see the return of Roddy Piper. He comes in wearing a trench coat and reveals that he has a pipe and it looks like he's going to attack one way and then winds up going another how does this whole deal come together? He'd been gone from the company for a long time and it feels like this is just out of left field. When did you guys put this deal together for him to return at WrestleMania 19? I think it was the Thursday or Friday night before WrestleMania and Vince and I were alone talking about the show and and talking about different things that we could do. 
and he, he kept going, is there something we can add? Is there another surprise? Is there, is there something else we can do? And we got to talking about his match with Hulk and, and different things we could add. And he says, is there anybody out there that would be a surprise that could be a holy shit moment? We were in Seattle. Roddy Piper lives right outside of Portland. I brought up Piper. I was usually always the one to bring up Piper <laughs> for whatever reason. He was a friend. I loved the character, and I just loved Roddy Piper. Um, and to my surprise, Vince said, call him. I called him right there and got him on the phone. What are you doing? He was home. I said, what would you say if I asked you to come be a surprise at WrestleMania? So I'm sitting here with Vince. He's right in front of me. What do you think? He said, what do you want me to do? He said, I don't know yet. But you would be involved in the match between Hulk and Vince. I said, there's anybody that belongs in that, in that match, in that rivalry, it's you. And he said, I'm available. I said, can you get down here tomorrow? He said, yeah, I'll drive down. Because he didn't want to fly in. He didn't want to be seen at the airport or anything like that. Uh, so Roddy flew down. I had my brother Tom meet him in the uh, uh, truck delivery in the hotel. We snuck him up the elevators and the service elevators. Got him in a room and he stayed there until WrestleMania. And we brought him over. People thought he was just there to, you know, like as an old timer signing autographs. Special appearance by Roddy Piper. The WrestleMania 19. <laughs> you know, I used, to, I used to watch this when I was a little kid, you know, with my I mom and dad. I used to carry the bag when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking for an autograph. No shit, he comes in last night, he pulls into the loading dock there and all this stuff, gets the bus, you need any help with that? I said, you know, you used to tip me when I'd carry the bag. <laughs> Jim Ross, who was in charge of talent relations at the time, didn't know. Uh, nobody knew. Uh, the, the, the people, other people on the, the writing teams and stuff didn't know. So Vince and Hogan and, and we get Piper and everybody together. The TV people, production people knew that Roddy was coming in. You know, we'd have a special, uh, special guest getting involved in the match and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I was the only one that dealt with Roddy through the whole day. And I remember Jim Ross coming up to me and uh, Brucey, uh, what's Piper doing here? I said, uh, you need to talk to Vince. I'm talking to you. I said, okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not liberty to tell you. Uh, I mean, I've been asked, you know, Vince, Vince asks you, you keep something between us. Nobody knows. And that includes, you know, he lists, lists the people. <laughs> JR was one of those people. He doesn't, you don't tell him. You know, but it was it was a shitty position for Jim to be in. Jim's the head of talent relations. There's a talent there getting dressed. He's not on the roster. Jim didn't book him. What the hell's he doing there? So it put me in a shitty position with Jim, you know, and vice versa. But uh, Vincent liked telling the announcers, smarting them up, smartening them up to anything. I'm the only one that dealt with Roddy all that day. We got him dressed in his stuff, put him in a black trench coat and a hat. I walked him out right underneath the staging area where we had all of our audio and stuff. And we sat there and watched the match. And when it was time, I walked to ringside with him. 
told the security guard to move, and Roddy jumped in. And then everybody was like, oh, shit, that's Roddy Piper. It, it, who is it? Is no, it? No, no, it can't be. No way. Is it? No. Cole. That's Roddy, Roddy Piper. What the hell is he doing here? No freaking way. Roddy Piper is here. What the hell is going on here? What the hell is he doing? I'm shocked. So it was a good surprise. It was a good surprise for the audience. It's a good surprise for the boys. Good surprise for JR. Good surprise for the announcers. Hey, everybody's happy. It was a good surprise. And Piper spent a lot of time in 03 doing some pretty interesting stuff. He would find himself working with Mr. America, uh, Zach Gowan, the Sean O'Hare character. Uh, a pretty crazy year. What are your favorite memories from 2003 in Roddy's run here? Just having him back. It was short-lived, but I, I always enjoyed working with Roddy. And the idea at the time, WrestleMania was a one-off. It was a right. one-night thing. You know, it was, it was, hey, come on, have some fun, see Vince, be a part of it, and who knows? And then it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Want to come to TV? Uh, the original idea was for Roddy to manage Sean O'Hare. We had high hopes for Sean O'Hare, and we thought that maybe Robbie, Roddy could rub off on him a little bit in a good way and sprinkle some of that hot rod dust on Sean O'Hare, but just didn't last long as, as it normally did. There was always something that would come up. Well, let's talk about uh, what comes up. And it's the pretty controversial interview on HBO. Um, it's a pretty big deal when this comes out because Piper's technically under contract and they're airing a, a pretty controversial interview where he's sort of blaming the wrestling business for a lot of situations and drugs and substance issues that guys have. And then he finds out that he's been let go online. What do you remember about this HBO interview and the decision to let him go? Well, he was not let go online. He was, he was definitely called and told that, you know, they were letting him go. Um, the interview was done beforehand. Roddy had told us about the interview. However, he had also told us that he, you know, didn't say anything bad, that he only talked about himself and the way that it was framed in the documentary and the way that it was framed didn't come across good for Roddy and or for the company. And Vince didn't want to be associated with it. So he cut ties. Um, he felt that Roddy could have prepared us a lot more for what, for everything that he said. And when Roddy had told us about what he had said in the interview, he didn't bring up the things that they played. And maybe he forgot, I don't know, and I, and I really and truly don't believe that Roddy purposely kept things from us. I just think that the way that the interview was edited and the way that it aired didn't look good, and it didn't portray Roddy well, didn't portray the company well, and Vince didn't feel that it was a good look for the company, so he parted ways. Piper has admitted that he was difficult to do business with, and... Huh. Uh, you know, Dave Meltzer even wrote, quote, he had made demands of Vince McMahon that nobody else would dare do, and he got away with it. 
what type of relationship did Piper and McMahon have where he could sort of get away with stuff that maybe others couldn't? Roddy and Vince had a love-hate relationship. And, you know, they both needed each other, especially in the early years. And I think that Vince enjoyed the back and forth with Roddy because it was always a chess game. <laughs> this is surreal. <laughs> and Roddy could be difficult to deal with, but I always go back to as long as you know what the hell you're dealing with and you know how to deal with it, you know, you can work your way through the minefield. And Vince used me for a lot of that. Roddy and I were friends, but he also respected me. And he, I could get Roddy to do things that Vince couldn't get him to do by asking him in a different way. And if, if it was coming, if I could look at Roddy and say, Roddy, this is coming from me. And especially in later years when he knew that, okay, like with, with the SmackDown stuff, I know this is coming from Bruce. And I had a lot of input from Roddy ahead of time. I would get his input beforehand. And he felt that I was working with him and thought that, okay, if it's coming from Bruce, I'm, he gave me a lot more leeway than he did other people. And I, you know, I, I enjoyed that and I didn't abuse it. Um, I shot straight with him and in return, he shot straight with me. Well, of course he shot straight into the hall of fame in 2005. He was welcomed back here and uh, finally finds his rightful spot in the hall of fame. And the very next night at WrestleMania finds himself on Piper's pit with stone cold, Steve Austin, pretty cool little WrestleMania moment here for Piper. I thought it was, I thought it was great because to me it was two icons in the ring. It was the past and the present. And for those guys to, to be in the ring together, it's just one of those cool moments, and it's a cool WrestleMania moment when you go back and look at history. Uh, Piper finds himself back with the company again, and this time as a tag team champion of all things in 2006 with his buddy Ric Flair. How the hell does this happen, Bruce? Whew. Uh, again, what if? <laughs> How about Hot Rod? And... When you, you think about it, this is where that dangerous, as I always say, be careful what you suggest because it could just happen. You know, Roddy came back. It was a nostalgia thing with Ric Flair. They were friends. Man, there was no plan to make Roddy Piper and Ric Flair the tag team champions. It came up in an agent's meeting where you're sitting there and somebody says, what if Ric and Roddy won the titles? I love it. Uh, next thing you know, uh, they're the champions. Then you go, what do we do now? You know, who's going to take it off of them? Well, where the hell do we go? It was a nice little nostalgia, you know, time period moment. Um, but that's all it was. And it, it was for a short time to kind of get us, get us through. But it was nice. And I thought that it, it played well on the shows with a nice mixture. Didn't something interesting happen during this run with Roddy that involved a tag team called the Highlanders? Well, no. What are you talking about? Uh, I know that he really liked those kids because of the kilts and everything. What are, what are you talking about, Conrad? Well, allegedly, uh, one of these guys decided to take his kids to uh, Orlando to a theme park. Oh. And decides while he's down there, he might catch a little wrestling. 
Oh yeah, well that that had nothing to do with Roddy. That was just the, the Highlanders were were there for Orlando, and yeah, one of them had their kid, and TNA took the shot of him, him in the uh, amusement park. He was at Universal Studios with his kid, and went in to see the wrestling, and they shot him and put him on air. So he was asked to go home. Why would you put yourself in that situation? No, not the on. smartest move. Who makes the call? What's this sound like? Oh, well, it would kind of be like, Oh, hey, uh, is this Highlander? Is this Robbie or Rory? I don't know which one, but, uh, hey, did you go to TNA today? Well, all right, you're fired. By the way, Vince, your arms look great today. Oh, my gosh. Something like that. Uh, why did, why does Piper wind up having to drop the tag titles? It feels like it happens pretty abruptly. Because they were never supposed to be the tag champions. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh it, it was, you know, it was a one-off, it was a goof. Let's do have a happy moment on TV, and now you got to take it off of them. It was never meant to be, and it was just okay, we'll do this, and it was another week of television. Well, I was hoping you would give me the real answer, which was he he was diagnosed with cancer. And I assume that you probably had a well, conversation about that. Yeah, but that but all that had that was actually even before, you know, he, he had the, the championships, before they even won the championships, he had been diagnosed with this cancer. And Roddy had had a rough rough time and we had you know, a special bond there because of my wife's cancer battle. And we, we would talk and he would go on about the different treatments and the fact that, you know, he, he was fighting it. He was beating it. So the when he had come back, he had already been diagnosed with the cancer and he was just doing what he needed to do. He was going to fight. And one thing Roddy, Roddy was, was a fighter and he wasn't going to give up. But that that was all during that whole that whole time there he was fighting it and he didn't want it to disrupt his life and what what he did some stuff goes down with uh, Mickey Rourke at WrestleMania and of course Piper's involved why is Piper always the go-to for the celebrity and and WrestleMania for Vince McMahon because he is a celebrity, and I think Roddy was one of the stars that transcended the WWE and was recognizable outside simply from They Live. I mean, it's a cult classic, and Roddy was considered you know, a movie star, and Roddy was known in Hollywood. Roddy had a ton of these direct-to-DVD movies. Um, he did a lot of acting. He did a lot of things, and he was revered in Hollywood. Um, there were guys that they looked at from the wrestling business. And in Hollywood, Roddy was at the top of the heap. So he fit. He fit in with those people. Something that never really quite fit to me is the interesting relationship that Piper had with Johnny Fairplay, who was a contestant on a CBS reality show, Survivor. What do you know about this weird Fairplay-Piper relationship? Roddy always had someone that would be with him to help him get through the airports. Cause he, he didn't like dealing with people in the airports. He didn't, you know, there would always be people that would recognize him and he wanted somebody to be able to say no, you know, no autographs, carry his bags, handle his arrangements. 
he was doing a lot of other things. So it was kind of a manager handler type role. Uh, I didn't know Johnny during that time, but it was, you know, I heard about it and he had his run of different people over the years that were in that role. And Johnny was one of them, uh, allegedly almost killing him in a car crash at some point. But, uh, there's different stories on that as well from, from Roddy's side where I think Roddy felt Johnny was literally trying to kill him when he wrecked the car. And then from Johnny's side, just like it was an accident and Piper went crazy. But only those two would know, I guess. Kevin Nash had an incident online with Roddy Piper. I guess Piper had a podcast and he told the story about a backstage incident at WCW and Kevin Nash didn't exactly remember it going down like that. So they had a little social media war back and forth. Uh, do you know what the relationship was like with Kevin Nash and Piper? It does feel sort of out of character for him to be getting into, into little fights like this because he had a similar deal with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had a podcast on Podcast One, which is where Piper's was, and uh, I guess Austin was upset, maybe. Uh, that's the the allegation that Piper has put out there about an impression that had been done on Piper's show, and there's back and forth, and Piper would say that Austin got him fired from Podcast One. Austin would deny that and say Piper was really just trying to create an angle. What do you make of these sort of weird situations with both Kevin Nash and Steve Austin just before Roddy passed away. I don't know that Roddy really had a relationship with Kevin Nash. I remember the Twitter wars and all that, but then finally when they got on the phone and talked, amazing. Everything was settled. Everything was squashed. What happens a lot of times is people will remember things one way, their version, how they saw it. Same person, same scenario, they will remember it in a completely different way. Just like here, I'm giving you my version. I'm giving you how I remember things and my experiences during the time. Other people in the same situation may remember it differently. And I think that's all that happened. With the podcast one situation with uh, uh, Steve Austin and all that, I heard both stories from Roddy. I heard, you know, that Roddy had quit. I heard that that Roddy was fired, um, or not fired, le actually left. But um, I heard that Steve was involved. I heard Steve wasn't involved. So only those those guys know the truth. But when I heard both stories from Roddy, I tend to believe that you know the first one was that hey, I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then he goes to do his own thing, and then it was, well, wait a minute, this other story came up. So I don't know if it was Roddy creating something right, to make bigger news, to make more of the splash when he debuted somewhere else. Um, and I, I don't really know. I don't know what his, what his motive was there. Of course, Piper famously, uh, or infamously, passed away far too young. Uh, he died in his sleep. And uh, he had predicted on HBO years before that he knew he wouldn't make 65. What are your last memories of Roddy? Because I know in real life, you guys were thick as thieves. And this had to be a big deal for one of your friends to, uh, to leave this early. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, it's a little tough doing it on video here. Um, we've talked about it all on the podcast. Roddy was, was one of my best friends in the business. And, uh, the last time I'd seen Roddy in person 
about a year before he passed, we were here in Houston and, and I brought my daughter out. We had dinner together. We spent, we spent two days together here in Houston, um, reconnecting and talking about the future and making plans for the future. I did, uh, I did his podcast. He put my daughter on who was wrestling at the time, uh, amateur. She fell in love with Roddy so much. She named her dog Rowdy. Piper, special friend, special man. Uh, he helped me out through through some of the worst periods of my life, from getting fired twice. Um, when my dad died, Roddy Piper, I never forget, called the hospital. Um, well, well, not before my dad died. When my dad was in the in the hospital, Roddy Piper called the hospital to find me. Just tell me he loved me. Make sure I was okay. Um, we were we were working together. We were talking about doing some different things with um, Rocket Fizz. We we were planning on doing a two man show, kind of like what you and I do now. And we had a tour set up in Texas, and then we were going to go to the UK to do these two man shows. And we had been going back and forth. And the night that Roddy passed, I was in Rockport, Texas and my phone rang and I went to pick it up and there was no one there. I got a alert. I don't know, 20 minutes later. And it says missed call voicemail from Roddy Piper. Tried to get the message that night. Didn't I didn't think anything of it. It was late. The next day, uh, I forgot about it. And a friend of mine called me and says, Hey, did you hear? I'm like, hear what? He says, Roddy. Well, I'm thinking, because Roddy had just made some outrageous statement on TMZ like a week or two weeks before. And I just talked to him, you know, like three days before that. And I'm like, oh, God, what do you do now? And he was like, he's gone. And my phone starts, you know, how it happens. Bad news travels fast, and I start getting these messages. And I don't believe it. And so I call. Goes to voicemail. And I go back to that message. I listen to the message. And he tells me he had been up in Canada working on his book. And he says, hey, man, I don't feel, I'm not feeling really well. Which he never heard from Roddy Piper. He's always like, ah, I'll be fine. He said, because I'm not feeling well. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I just wanted to call and tell you I love you. That was one of the last calls he made. And, um, he was gone and I, I miss him. God, I miss him. Very, 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 very special man. Um, love him to death. His, his kids were his life. His family was his life. Uh, he adored his wife, Kitty. He was so proud of, I mean, God, his girls and then Colt and just, um, 
It's a tough one. And uh, I love Roddy Piper. I miss Roddy Piper. And he will go down as when you talk about icons in, in the wrestling business, Roddy Piper's right there. Well, I uh, I don't know what to say after that. I, uh, I think all of us are Roddy Piper fans, and we appreciate all of his contributions to the business. And some of us weren't as fortunate to know the man that you knew, but uh, his legend lives on in professional wrestling well, and here, here on the network where you can see some of his biggest moments of his career that we all sort of grew up on. So Bruce, these days, Roddy's legend lives on with Rowdy Ronda Rousey. She has a a t-shirt styled after him. She famously wore uh, his jacket to the ring. And um, I'm curious what you think of that. Some old school wrestling fans don't really like it. But as a wrestling fan and a Ronda fan, I think it's pretty cool that she's sort of paying homage to the legend that is Roddy Piper. Well... Let me alleviate anybody's fears. I can guarantee you that Roddy Piper is looking down with a big smile on his face and with a ton of pride to see Ronda Rousey enter the WWE. He was a big fan of hers, Lou Duva and and Ronda Rousey, and I know that she was a big part of Roddy's life. And he followed her career. He loved her. And was always trying to tell her, you need to get into the business. You need to be over here. So having Ronda Rousey celebrate Piper every time she comes out and, and the whole the whole t-shirt. When Ronda Rousey first came out at the Royal Rumble and was wearing the jacket, I remember watching that and saying, that looks just like Piper's jacket. Because that, that jacket was so iconic to me. The son of a bitch never took it off. Okay, he wore it everywhere. So Ronda Rousey, I, I know for a fact that Roddy is so proud of her right now and looking down and as happy as can be. And she's doing the legend and she's doing the whole name Rowdy Roddy Piper, a huge service by representing him in the right way. And uh I I wish her nothing but the best, man. I think it's great. And I think that I think that people have to remember, man. Remember, remember the icon, and remember the trailblazing spirit of Rowdy Roddy Piper, who never took no for an answer, and who did it his way. He truly did it his way, and that's a lesson to everybody coming up, man. Don't accept no, and and fight for what you believe in, and that's the man, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and that's the guy that you have to remember and that you have to celebrate. And I love you, Roddy Piper, man, and you will live on forever. And we'll see you next week right here on Something Else to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.